The peace of Christ be with you. Give yourselves about three deep breaths to be fully present here, to settle into this place held by the Spirit in this house of prayer. Friends, enjoy Thanksgiving. Let us worship the living God. We invite you to open worship with us in song this morning. The words are right up there, gathered here in the mystery of this hour. We're going to sing it all together twice, and then we're going to invite you to split in two, and we're going to do a round. This side will begin, and then I'm going to head over to that side, and we will come in a little later. I see looks of fright on your face. <laughs> It's going to be, it's going to be great, but we're going to sing it together twice so we learn how it goes. Gathered here in the mystery of this hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near again together. Gathered here in the mystery of this hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near. Okay, here we go. Gathered here in the mystery of this hour. Okay, ready? Gathered here in the mystery of the hour. Gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near. Gathered here in the mystery of this hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power. Spirit Amen. As you are able, please rise in body and spirit for the call to worship. Let us gather in quiet, free from the stiffening noise of everyday life. Let us clear our eyes that we might truly see. Let us put aside the pursuits of ego. Let us seek the reign of God. Let us participate in God's life-giving work. Let us find renewed joy. Please join us on hymn number 611. Oh 
be seated. As we continue to settle into our worship service, if, if this is called settling in, <laughs> let us join in our community prayer together. Revealing God, you have shown us what is good, and yet we find our way elusive. We have received mixed messages, been subject to conflicting agendas, and encountered those who've not had our best interests at heart. Help us to return to you, our source, to know what is right, good, and just. Restore in us clarity and conviction. Rid us of oversized egos that confuse your work with opportunities for personal glory. Reconnect us that we might join in holy partnership to participate in your reign. Amen. Remember always, there is nowhere that God is not, that the prayers of our hearts are received even as we pray them. We're going to use a bidding prayer Wait, hold on. We share. Don't use a bidding prayer yet. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> First, I'd like to invite the children forward to be oh, with Jeff. Nice. Yes. That was in there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we look forward to the bidding prayer. Well, but first, time with Jeff. Okay, there we go. So, I have a very easy question. Just raise your hand if you have, if you have ever gotten a boo-boo on the playground. Yes, we've all been there. It happens to all of us. We get hurt. And there are a few things that you do when you get hurt. You cry. Sometimes it hurts so much you just need an ice pack, so you go find somebody. But when we're in pain, we go looking for people. You know what's really, you know what's even worse than getting hurt? Is getting hurt when there's no one there to help you. And then you start screaming, you say, help, help, to get someone's attention. You know what, I know a great way to get someone's attention. Let's see here. Yeah, we keep a lot of things. Oh, hi, Theo. We keep, a, <laughs> we keep a lot of things in the pulpit there. Um, yeah, you know what? You know what always seems to get people's attention? It's fire. Oops. Probably shouldn't put that down on paper. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's see, look. Whenever there's fire involved, everyone gets quiet, and everyone pays attention. Everyone's looking now. And so it would seem that if there are people hurting in the world and you wanted to get their attention, you might have a fire. Well, guess what? Once upon a time, God used fire to get someone's attention to tell them about all the pain and suffering in the world. Do you want to know who that was? Yes. Well, the third through fifth graders are going to find out. 
and the rest of you are going to have to ask about the time when God used fire to get everyone's attention. Caitlin, you had a question. We are not doing that. We do not play with fire. We are simply making the point that God uses fire to get people's attention. So let's go hear about that now. Go now in peace. Go now. we can do a bidding <laughs> prayer. The bidding prayer is rather an ancient form of addressing God. I'm going to go ahead and raise up areas of concern, and you're going to have the opportunity to call out names or phrases that are on your minds and hearts. Now, we don't need to worry about the fact that some of us are going to speak at the same time that others of us are already speaking. God's big enough to hear what is on our hearts before it ever reaches our lips. So please feel free simply to participate as you are so moved. Let us pray together. We pray for the leaders in our churches, for the deacons, the officers, the ministers among us. We honor them for their dedication and their sincerity. We pray for the places in our world that are war-torn and for the children, elderly, injured, frightened people who are so definitely affected by these conflicts. May our prayers help to restore harmony and find solutions. We pray for family, friends, members of our community and beyond who are suffering from a threatening diagnosis, anticipating a recovering from surgery, grieving the loss of loved ones. We pray for those who have suffered sexual abuse, some of whom have experienced inadequate action by authorities. May they find healing and support as they struggle with the lasting pain such wounds inflict. Dear God, we ask that you hear these prayers we offer as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father,
As our musicians get into place, uh, I want to lift up Sharon, a special thanks for lifting up those victims of sexual abuse and sexual assault, especially after the Supreme Court hearings this past week. Um, I know that that has lifted up a lot of trauma for a lot of people. Um, and Rob and I and Sharon and Ted just want to make sure that you all know if you need a place for your story to be heard or if you simply need a time to be in prayer, you know, we are definitely here and don't hesitate to reach out to us. harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that longs to hide. I'm a mess and so are you. We've built walls nobody can get through. Yeah, it may be hard but the best thing we could ever do, ever do, is bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine. Cause love can heal what hurt divides, and then mercy's waiting on the other side. If we're honest, if we're honest, Tend to be something that you're not Living life afraid of getting caught There is freedom found When we lay our burdens down at the cross At the cross So bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine Cause love can heal what the divides And mercy's waiting on the earth If we're honest, if we're honest, it would change our lives, it would set us free, it's what we need to be, Scripture this morning comes from Mark 9, 38 through 50. 
Listen to the way the Spirit speaks to you. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will be by no means loose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better if you, for you if you, <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, How can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. Bruce was reading, I couldn't help but think, what must it be like if this is your first time ever to a church and that's the reading you hear? (laughs) Join us for tea and cookies afterwards. They seem like harsh words, and to some they seem like harsh times. So let us seek the deeper wisdom at their heart, and let us seek hearts of compassion. In his book, The Road to Character, David Brooks, a New York Times columnist, bemoans what he calls the gospel of self-trust. Now, I wish he would have instead called it the gospel of self-absorption, because that's really what he's talking about. We actually all know, probably, maybe some of us are these people, but we we know people who need to hear the gospel of self-trust because they've been told, particularly young girls in our culture, not to trust themselves or to believe in themselves. And so that's the kind of encouragement that a lot of people need. But what Brooks is saying is that we're raised in a culture that basically says it's all about you. Your job is to be great, and everybody has an equal chance to be great, and you're going to get there by your own merits and efforts only. And then you'll get all the fame and glory and attention that you deserve because it's all about you. 
And to Brooks, this is no gospel at all. Gospel just means good news. And he says it isn't good news primarily because it's not true. And this notion that the whole goal is to gather acclaim and fame and glory for yourself, well, it's an empty chase anyway. And yet it's how we're raised. Jesus has a moment that resonates, I think, with what Brooks is trying to say in The Road to Character. His disciples, his students, come to him and say, Teacher, we caught someone casting out demons in your name. And don't worry, we tried to stop him. Why would, why would we want to stop that? I, presumably, if someone has a demon, casting it out would be a good thing and a cause for celebration. Why would the disciples be stopping someone from doing that? Well, they answer the question in their next breath. Because he wasn't following us. And Jesus, in so many words, says to his disciples, it's not about you. This thing that I've come to usher in is far greater. This new reality, this new inbreaking, is bigger than you. You're a part of it and have a part to play, but it's bigger than you. You can't control it. In fact, it seems that's precisely what they're looking to do is control it and make it in their image. It's an important moment. Jesus says to them, look, if they're not against us, then they're for us. Why are you going and looking for enemies where there are allies right there? What is it about us that seeks to find enemies in people that may well be working for the same righteous cause, even if they're doing it a little bit differently? A commentator says this of that important moment. He says, the disciples' misunderstanding provides the occasion for Jesus to define true greatness in his movement as the humble service of others. To urge the disciples to find Jesus and his Father in the most apparently insignificant people and to remind the disciples that they cannot confine Jesus' power to their own group. The moment that Jesus' followers descend into tribalism, Jesus calls them back and lifts them to something higher and to something wider. You know, a classmate of mine in seminary was once ranting about uh, televangelists. This is how seminarians get rowdy. And, <laughs> and it was before class or something, and he was going off, and one would understand why. We've seen those hucksters on TV. We know people who've sent them money, money they probably didn't have to spare. And then we watch as the televangelist drives back in his Bentley and his private jet, all those things. But he was ranting, and what was interesting was not his rant, we've all done that before, but was the response of the faculty member in the room who was a really thoughtful guy, a world Christianity professor, uh, you know, progressive theologically in all kinds of ways, and he said, you know, what makes you so sure that God can't work even through that? 
He wasn't condoning that, but what he was saying is, who are you to limit God in the Spirit's capacity to do something, even through that flawed form, and maybe plant a seed in someone's heart who have, would have no other place to encounter it? And perhaps that seed could grow and be more mature than the one who sowed it and offer some meaningful fruit to the world. What makes you think you have a monopoly on the way? It was a prophetic word, called us to something bigger than us. Religion, like many institutions, has sometimes fallen prey to the temptation to define truth and then exert it from the top down and make everybody fall in line. And there's a reason for that. But the only problem is that's not how spirit works. Spirit works in institutions and around institutions. Spirit works in powerful people and spirit works in powerless people and everyone in between. Good leaders know this. I mean, a good leader might establish a strong culture wherever they are, but they know to also make sure there's room for the people in their care to express their individual gifts and passions and interests. They might have to establish some norms, some ways of being, some shared values, but they don't do it so tightly that there isn't room for creativity and mistakes and freedom and innovation. A good leader, whether they're religious or not, makes just the right amount and the right kind of room for the Spirit to do her work. Even if they don't use that kind of language. And the Spirit does work. Do we know that? Do we trust that? I don't blame you if you're secretly thinking, no. I'm reading this wonderful book by an Episcopal priest named Gray Temple. I mean, can you get a better name for a priest than that? I mean, gray, okay, but sort of fitting. Uh, but he, the book is called When God Happens. And the premise, of course, or the supposition, is that God does happen. God does act. Spirit does work in the world. But the sad thing is that because of very limited media portrayals or, or finite teachings that have just narrowed, 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 we've lost the ability to recognize the Spirit in endless manifestations working in the world, and so we don't trust it anymore. Because institutions have told us the only ways we can think about God. Now, there's a reason for that. We've seen the damage that rogue people can do when they claim to have direct access to the divine, and they can manipulate and exploit and hurt. Fair enough. But can we learn to recognize when the Spirit is at work in us? Well, how do you do that? How do you know, especially if you've not been taught to cultivate that skill, the practice of going deep, of listening, of paying attention? Well, that may be what's going on in this encounter between Jesus and his students, too. Because they clearly haven't cultivated that ability because they don't recognize the allies that are right before them. And Jesus says, if they see that you bear the name of Christ, which is another way of saying, if they recognize in you that you're part of this larger inbreaking of a new reality where power's flipped on its head and the standard is not domination but humble service, if they see that in you and that moves them to offer you hospitality in a simple cup of water, then they're on your side. Actually, you're on the same side. 
remember, it's not about your movement. It's about the movement. It's a bigger reality. It's not about you. And it's about you. It's not about you in the sense of controlling other people and the way they have to do it if they're working on the same project. But it is about you in the sense of controlling yourself and controlling the way in which you might be an ally to someone else. Pay attention to how that passage goes on, the part where it gets tough. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. What exactly? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, amen, Pat. But what a prescient warning that is to us, maybe in this moment, at a time over the last year or so when we've been struggling to awaken over this plight or blight of sexual violence and misconduct, trying to learn to be a better society around this, and yet we still hear people say, Look at what she's wearing. She shouldn't go out like that. To which Jesus says, if looking at her or him causes you to stumble, that's a you problem, not a her problem or a him problem. And the solution is to remove your own eye, not to take their head off or anything else. See, the first half of this passage is all about lifting the veil and helping us recognize the allies in our midst and to try to get us to resist the temptation to manufacture enemies when the world will give us plenty, but to learn to recognize the others who are really pulling in the same direction if we would just get over our biases. Then the second half of the passage, the second half of the passage is trying to teach us how to be good allies good partners in this larger project. And what I love about that is both of them presume one thing, that you're not doing it alone and that it's not up to you to make it all happen, but that you need one another. We need one another, even if we oppose some others still. When I was a youth pastor, I went to a high school graduation, which is what youth pastors do at a certain time of year. And I remember sitting there and getting more uneasy with each passing moment. Well, really with each passing speaker. All these students got up and gave speeches. Now, I try not to be hard on youth. Uh, I mean, God forbid I remember what I was like at that age. And it's a thing to arrive at the place where you are able to give a speech. So they obviously had things going for them. And furthermore... Anything they do is probably on some form or another a reflection of what we've taught them. So with all gentleness, I offered the critique. But what was sad to me was each of their speeches could be boiled down to the following. I'm great. Look how great I am. Not we, I. I largely got great, no thanks to you, and just wait to see how great I'm going to be. I'm not kidding. Uh, no, not even a sense of camaraderie. No, no even kind of obligatory thanks for 
parents or teachers or coaches or even peers. No nod to the fact that they'd grown up in a place that gave them a lot of opportunities and a lot of resources. And maybe some of that had gotten them to where they were, even if where they were was great indeed. None of it. It was all about them. And my heart just sank. This is what we've taught them. Then it came time for the distinguished alumnus to speak. And I thought, how is he going to handle this? And he really had lived a great life, a public figure, had done a lot of things. And I thought, maybe he's going to reinforce it. Maybe this is where he learned it. Or will he take them on and embarrass them in front of their parents, who didn't seem embarrassed? And then he proceeded to give the most eloquent, uh, eloquent speech, humble speech about the people who'd helped him along the way, about the grace that seems to have fallen out of heaven to him at certain times, about even the dumb luck that seems to have really paid off in key moments. And getting to where he was largely because of the efforts of others and perhaps his ability to nurture relationships that had been granted him, but it was all cloaked in relationship and others in the ways things had aligned to help them get to where they were. Far more gospel kind of message, if you ask me, which makes sense because that distinguished alumnus was David Brooks preaching the real gospel to those young people of community. Because the road to character, much like the road to the kingdom of heaven, is not one by and large that we travel alone. So let us learn to recognize and become good traveling partners. Amen. So at this time, I'd like to invite forward Dominic Phillips, who is going to offer our moment for stewardship today. And I'm going to try to get you a mic here, Dominic.
community elude me, yet community engulfs me and holds me close, supporting me and urging me to succeed, to catch me when I fall. What is community? A collection of beings, unity of thought, tangible or abstract, perhaps all of these concepts we see through changing meaning. Community brings different things to different First, just a concept of quality, kinship. Then a noun emerges, tangible. Offering support, love, encouragement to those in need. To those who need, but may not know they need. Westminster embodies community, love of ourselves, of each other, service to each other, service to others, tangible, real, which is really service to ourselves. Belief in the good within, to love. During my struggles with disability, with pain, with challenges <coughs> that seem insurmountable. You, the community, prayed for me. You urged me on. You loved me. Community-centered lies in love. Community has its own heart. Community has its own power. Grounded in the heart and power of each community member to heal, to transform, to inspire, to love with power. Each week, I receive smiles and support from the Westminster community. These kind gestures carry me through the week and let me know I'm loved. I respect, I suspect each of you has similar gifts from this community. That is a rare, that is rare and precious. Please, if you can, 
give to the campaign. And thank you for everyone for all the love and support you've given me. I'm proud to be part of this communion. in the doxology.
And you may be seated. Just a couple of announcements to highlight. I'll stand over here. Well, that one, I was standing behind all of them. So this one. Um, so immediately following worship at 11.15, we have a special guest. Her name is Colette Lafia. I think she's here somewhere. Oh, there she is. She's waving at you. Uh, spiritual director. She's going to be with us in Finley Hall leading a worship uh, workshop titled Living Comfort, Living Joy. I was especially thinking about her as Rob was talking about spirit in his sermon, how the spirit is with us. Spirit is everywhere. And that's going to be part of what she's talking about. So I invite you to join her at 11.15. And then tomorrow morning at 9.30 begins our next series of yoga classes led by Westminster member Erin Elliott. Uh, She wants me to be sure to tell you, you don't need any previous experience. You don't need any particular special ability. She she titles it Yoga for Everybody. So if you're interested in trying that out, I do invite you to be here tomorrow at 9.30. And now I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. And I invite you to hold your hymnals lightly because there's going to be a part where, yes, where you're going to be invited to clap your hands. If you need to, like, clap on the hymnal or something, that's okay. But, But join us as we clap our hands. Oh, yeah, my, my cords are here. We have some time. Oh, I'm on still. I got a lot of pieces to get ready here. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. All right, it's going to be worth it. Because <laughs> this song is a lot of fun. Okay, here we go. Let's go for it. You shall go up with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will bring forth before you.
Amen. I'm mindful of the time and that you're getting out a little early. Don't get used to it. But, but I actually, I lift it up because especially if you have a child in sacred stories, that's a program that really kind of needs the full hour. So if you normally greet two people, greet six, get a cup of coffee, enjoy the last few moments before reentry happens. And as you go from this place... May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, may it go with you this day and every day. Amen.